It's time for another episode of The Father's Truth, the show where real men band together, stand up for father's rights, and bring the father's truth out of the darkness. Of the darkness. Out of the darkness and into the light, giving fathers a voice everywhere. A broadcast brought to you by the Fathers Lives Matter Network. Here's your host. Here's your host. Alan Donovan. Alan Donovan. All right, guys, I am your host, Alan Donovan, and I want to welcome everyone to the Father's Truth Podcast, where we discuss the joys, challenges, and complexities of fatherhood in today's world. As a father and survivor of the family court system, I offer a unique perspective on what it means to be a dad in the 21st century, and I bring together a diverse range of guests to share their experiences, insights, and wisdoms. So I'm glad you guys joined me for tonight, and tonight we're going to do a double header. So I've got this interview scheduled, and then I've got another view interview scheduled tonight at 9 o'clock. But today, on this episode, I've got Andrew Rainey and Summer Johnson. Andre Rainey is a dedicated trailblazer and advocate committed to empowering individuals and transforming communities. He's the former mayor of Peekskill, New York. He spearheads initiatives that revolutionize the city, fostering economic growth and diversity. He currently serves as the chair of the New York affiliate National Parenting Organization and the vice president of Fathers Are Important, championing the rights and well-beings of children and parents. Now, our other guest is Summer Johnson. She's a paralegal, a public affairs professional, CEO, and co-founder of New York Families for Tomorrow. She's the wife of an Army veteran and mom to four, two biological and two bonus kids. All right, guys, let's get them in here and let's do this. I'm glad to be back with you guys tonight. Hope everybody is having a great kickoff to the summer. Let's see about getting these guys in here. Summer, how are you? Hey, Andre, brother, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm too legit to quit trying to save the world. How you doing, man? <laughs> Summer, what's up? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Summer, it is a pleasure to finally meet you. I know we have traded text messages and emails, and it's kind of been tag your it kind of thing, and we've kind of scheduled this a couple of different times over the last <laughs> six months, but I'm super excited to have you guys both here joining me. Yes. Happy to, happy to finally uh, be here and talk to you, Alan. That's awesome. And you guys are doing a lot of amazing work. Andre, I've had you on previously, and since then, man, you kind of been stepping it up with, uh, with our good pal over there at Fathers Are Important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, we, we, we do what we can to, to, to play our role and do our part and making things happen. So, um, you know, it's it's been a it's been a pleasure working with him and you know, we're we're still continuing to work and now we're just networking and building the you know, building the uh the alliances to make to make the change that we want to see in the world. That's great. Arcadio is a super great guy, good friend of mine, you know, and I'm glad to see that you guys have partnered up to take the fight to where it needs to be. And Summer, you're doing some amazing stuff as well. Tell us about what you have going on. 
Oh, you name it. You name it. You got <laughs> That's it. <laughs> when I was looking at your when I was looking at your bio that set that you sent me, I was like, wow, yeah. this is a lot of stuff. There's, so tell us about it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. However, you know, I purposely um, went and got formally educated in policy so I could be more effective at the lawmaking level here in New York State. Um, so it, it's more or less like you know, let's let's see what we can get on on the docket in Albany here in New York. Um, and so we've been really busy just really fine tuning our bills and really trying to find the right verbiage that is, you know, the less argumentative, the better. Um, so that's what we've been doing. And then of course, just, you know, compiling all this research that is coming out, just, I mean, it's everywhere. There's, there's so much research out there. Um, so learning how to make sense of that for people so they can kind of digest it, even our own lawmakers, because mm -hmm. I, I swear they have like a fifth grade reading level. So, I, that's that's giving them too much credit when it comes to father's <laughs> rights yeah, yeah. so you know it's really like breaking that down and andre's great because like he just has a really simple way of getting messages across to people in like a very political way which i'm still kind of learning um you know i just want to go in there with facts and like you know legalese and make sure everybody's like understanding that and then it's like he comes in and makes you, you know, lets people understand it better and, and what we're trying to say. So, well, and, you know. And honestly, that's what you need. You need to have somebody that's got that experience in the political mm -hmm. arena. And with him being a former mayor, mm -hmm. he definitely has that experience walking in that world. And that's what most of us lack when we're trying to do this, because I know I've been doing this for, gosh, almost a decade now. And I've sent out emails, uh, not this year, but the last year, I sent out emails to every senator and every representative. And I didn't get a single reply mm -hmm. and it just, it just kind of blows me away. But now had I had some kind of political footing, I think that might've been a little bit different because I would have known how to interact with them, but just coming from the outside, dude, it's like banging your head against the wall. Mm -hmm. You get nowhere, you get a headache. That's all you yeah. get. Mm -hmm. Abs absolutely. And I, I'm actually running for office locally to start and cause we really believe here in New York, like, yay. <laughs> um, even though it's a town supervisor, again, like you said, Alan, like it's making those connections and, and getting your foot in the door so that if you need help two, three years, five years down the road, you need a favor, you need to call in somebody, you have that connection. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, more of us need to take that kind of initiative, I think, in this community and, and to step up and take on these local positions in government. Um, it's a great soapbox also to have a platform, of course. So oh, I think that's absolutely. really important. And, and I think, Summer, you hit it on the head. You know, modern politics is a favor versus favor. I give you a favor, I do a favor for you, and then you owe me a favor later on down the road. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that so many different times in so many different areas, whether it's a, you know, just a city level a state level or a national. I mean, we all know on the national level, that's how that shit works. Favors and favors. You know, it's, it, and I, and I, you know, I want to get too, too in depth in this, but you know, the, the last, the last maybe five or six months, you know, working alongside Summer and our partner, Jason, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the dynamics of the politics in the state of New York are at a different level of disgusting to me right now, you know, and it's like, um, you know, not to point fingers at any party, any specific party, just, just in general, it's just disgusting right now. And I've seen some things from my colleagues that have really disappointed me, especially when it comes to, you know, discussions about children's rights and shared parenting. 
And, you know, you get you get these conversations with people, you know, like you mentioned earlier, building those connections, a favor for a favor. Mm -hmm. You know, um, some people are not willing to support certain legislation mm -hmm. yep. simply because, you know, of a, you know, a, 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 the, another party, you know, sponsored the specific bill. So they can't they, they not that they disagree with the bill or they think that anything is necessarily wrong with the bill. It's just the other party sponsored that bill. So I can't I can't put my hands on that. And it's. It's a different level of discussion. Well, and there's um, so much division that goes on. I mean, yeah. all one has to do is look at the morning news when you get up in the morning. You know, that's what I do. I have my cup of coffee and I'm scrolling through the news. And I'm not a Fox guy. I'm not a CNN guy. I kind of go from, you know, one to the other just to kind of see what both sides are saying. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's just insane how you have some people just will not do anything just simply because they don't like the guy on the other side of the aisle. Yeah. That that's got to change. It's 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 it's, it's, it's disgusting. It's scary. It's crazy. Um, and like I said, I just you know when you see people running for campaign, running for office in the campaign, you know, literature and platforms. There's always this this party versus that party. And you know, I I, I kind of like understand the sport of it, but I was always under the impression that once you got in office, all of that stuff was pushed to the side. Now it's let's get things done. And it's and it's like these. These individuals have gotten to the point of doing that so much that when they get in office, they still carry that mentality, that campaign mode mentality with them. And it's, it's crazy. And, you know, we I said it somewhere earlier today, I think, you know, I feel like you know, the media and politics have pinned, you know, Democrat versus Republican, just like the judges pinned yep. mother versus father in the courtroom. Yep. You know, it's, it's, well, it makes uh, some money. It makes some money and it keeps the, you know, it, it keeps it turning. Mm -hmm. You know, guys, I couldn't imagine what it would be like if, you know, people stopped and went, wow, they're just doing me against them. And they don't really care what the outcome is. They're just throwing that bone in there, dividing everything. Can you imagine what the world would be like if it was not divided like it is here? And it's not just the United States. It's around the world where it's like this. Yeah, we get a lot more done. If it, if it wasn't oh, so. If yeah. It wasn't a so, whole yeah. lot more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a totally different world, I think. It's eye-opening, but it's also, you know, know thy enemy, right? Like, you have to know what you're up against. And, you know, a few years ago, when I entered into this arena of shared parenting and father's rights, you know, I, I was told pretty straight up by, by people in Albany, that it's you know it's a social issue we have you, you know you have to bring the awareness you have to bring the people the numbers there's there's almost 20 million people in new york state um so that's nearly impossible um however you know so it's like okay so it's a social issue okay i get it right cool so you do that and you meet with these people and you, you bring it to a social level you we have like you said all the research all the stats right the, the school dropouts, the teen pregnancy, the drug use, the incarceration rates, uh, the, the poverty, the homelessness that, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You bring that to them and it, it's just, it, the meeting's over. Silence. Yep. So it's, it's like, well, those are your social issues. I mean, unless you have a sociologist somewhere or Jordan B is going to come in the room and correct me that those so the social issues we're tackling with this legislation and, and it just it goes silent, it goes dead. So, you know, that tells me that it's not a social issue. Okay. So, so then you kind of have to go peel the layer like an onion, right? You peel yeah. the layer, say, okay, what's next? Now what is it? Because then mm -hmm. they'll sit there and say, Well, 
you know, the bill, it has some language we have to get through, you know, the courts don't like it, the attorneys don't like it, you know, <laughs> okay, all right, so you dumb down the bill and you, you get this, like, I mean, one year, it was last year, we had a bill, Alan, it was a paragraph, that's it, a paragraph, that's all it was, saying the, the you know, the presumption of rebuttable shared parenting upon the filing of the divorce decree on a temporary basis, that's it, that's all it said went nowhere nowhere it's like so it's not a legal issue yeah. okay what's next so that's where we're our now that's where our team is now yeah. here in new york we're like okay what's next <laughs> where mm -hmm. where are we at i mean um andre maybe you could speak a little bit more about what sean's doing in connecticut like how he he's so he's kind of taking the social angle um he's with the mpo also mm -hmm. and he's taking the social angle of racial injustices on the black community and what mm -hmm. the fatherless problem is and you know he's getting some traction but you know it's the same thing you get silence once you bring the point across yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, you know and i think another part of it too which we were a couple of weeks ago to try to figure out uh you know i met with some of my colleagues in government um trying to see if i can pull them in some of them are interested some of them are staying away because of the you know the political world they're in but you know one of the things that that we're trying to do is change the narrative because what happens is you have all of these fathers you know including myself i was one who you know gets uh, a situation um, with the mother of the child where you can't see your children for whatever reason you have to fight the mother you have to fight the court system you have to fight the attorney you have to pay all of this money to finally get where you want to be and even at that point you spent thousands of dollars just getting there um, but what happens is when we're doing that, the narrative becomes we're not fathers who are fighting for justice. We're fathers who are fighting because we're angry. You know, we're angry because we have to pay child support. Or we're yeah, that's, the that's always the big one that I hear about is, oh, these guys, they don't want to actually be fathers. They just want to get around paying child support. I'm like, that's such yeah, yeah, bullshit. Get right, a new yeah. argument, please. It's, it's crazy. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it's one finding a way to change the narrative and keep the narrative with the facts actually show that they are, which is fathers aren't what people thought fathers were maybe 50, 60 years ago. You know, 50, 60 years ago, maybe more fathers were actually working and not tending to their children. But times have completely changed in the last 60 years. It's just it's not even a debate. And the other thing is getting that national news coverage. You know, like when we protest against family court injustices, when we protest against, you know, bias and un implicit biases to judges, news media doesn't always come out. You know, you know, if 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 we if we're protest protesting about Black Lives Matter or we're protesting about a, you know, gang fighting or you know, gun buyback, like we do get a lot of uh, attraction. But when you talk about the injustice of family court, mm -hmm. you get no, you know, no and, coverage. You know, and I have and I have a perfect example for you guys. So every holiday, I try to do something within my community because I know how big of a deal it is and how stressful it is for fathers, especially on Christmas. When Christmas time rolls around and you've got little kids and you want to see them, you want to spend the holidays with them and give them presents and you can't, that's a huge thing. So many fathers commit suicide over the course of the holidays that it's unreal. And so I've kind of started doing something within my own community and I reached out to a news organization, it's a local news channel here, and said, hey, you know, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, you know, would you guys be interested in doing an interview talking about the dangers that fathers face over the holidays and so they sent out this reporter and we did a 15 minute long interview and i was like okay this is great you know we're talking about some real issues here you know spitting data out left and right and then i get a call 
saying, well, you know, my newsroom manager, he needs to have an expert talk about this. And I said, what? I said, an expert, what do you mean? Well, you know, he needs to have a lawyer or a doctor or somebody speak about this, somebody that's an expert. I said, okay. I said, you do realize that I've been through the family court system. I represented myself. I survived this. And I now work with fathers around the world. I said, you know, that's an expert. I said, I can tell you all the data. I said, did you check the data that I gave you? Oh, yeah. You know, it all checked out. I said, okay. So what's the problem? Well, you're not a lawyer. You're not an expert. And he's not going to run the piece unless you can get somebody that fits that bill. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I said, well, I don't know. I said, I don't know anybody local that would do this. And so they ended up running. They got some guy that was not even remotely involved with the family court or knew anything about that to get on there. My little piece was cut down to like two minutes. I was so infuriated with that. I was like, are you kidding me? And that just seems to be how it is. Nobody wants to touch it. So that brings up my first question for you guys. In your experience, why do you think we run into such a huge roadblock in the legal system, the court system, and the political arena when it comes to shared parenting and father's rights? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. That's <laughs> I, a big I, question. I think, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it is. And, as, you know, and Summer, Summer's a lot more more experienced than I am um, in this arena, too, so she's definitely been, been putting a lot of work in. Um, but I, I will say, I, I, I personally believe that money is a, is a big factor in it. You know, a lot of these, you know, judges and attorneys and, you know, legal guardians for children, like, the, uh, you know, appointed family children, like, these people are getting paid great, great, great amount of money um, for people's dysfunction. You know, this is bottom line. The other thing is, you know, it is it is the politics of it. You know, it's when it comes to certain decisions, like when you see things like you see stuff on the news, like climate change, you get one person does climate change. There's, there's flyers and there's organizations now based on climate change, you know, addressing climate change. And they have the news media. They're doing marches on bridges in Brooklyn like they're going all out when it comes to the father's rights organization. Uh, um, and 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 how and and the fathers that are facing some of these challenges, a lot of the fathers kind of just don't want to deal with the stress, you know. Yep. And you know, unfortunately, you know, and I have I have siblings. My, you know, one of my brothers went through the same nonsense, and he went to you know the the the, the courts um, probably twice. And when the judge spoke to him the way the judge spoke to him, he just said, "I don't. You can have whatever you want. I'm done." Like he was, he felt I'm not going to go back in this courtroom and be treated like this. So whatever she wants, take the kids, take the money. I was like, you know, people just don't have the time. And again, the last thing I'll say is the coverage. Like you see, like there's an R&B singer now, Tyrese, and he's like, no. you know, all over social media, mm -hmm. just saying like, yo, this doesn't even this doesn't even like me. Like mm -hmm. this this is crazy, and it's like it's just completely unfair. But you know, you see little snippets of that on Instagram, but you won't see that on the news. You know. <laughs> Or on your on your CNN or your Fox Five, you won't see that consistently on the news when these five issues. So, you know, I, I think those are three of the main issues: the news coverage, the, po the politics of it, and the money. Yeah, Summer, money, what do you think? Money's, money's a huge one. Well, I yep. mean, I won't, I won't go off. I won't go off too far on my my political, you know, experience and arena and studies of why what's happening in society today leading us to the Armageddon of you know, the downfall. Um, but <laughs> I don't want to go too dark. But 
you know, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to come out and say, it. I mean, that's, that's why I, I, that's why I entered this arena as a woman. Um, because, you know, and I say this a lot in the work I do is real feminists, you know, fight for father's rights too. And I, I think it's important to highlight what the feminist movement, the third wave, third wave. of the feminist movement yep. has oh, detrimentally des destroyed like our family Preach. structure mm -hmm. and our unit. Um, you know, I won't get into too, too many details of that, but I really think that's a big problem is, is this, this movement of, uh, empowerment and independence from women that, you know, it, I, I swear if I have to hear, I, I just stay out, out of those like chats now because <laughs> like, I, if I have to listen to a, one more mother sit there and like, I'm doing it myself. I'm a single mom. I'm working two jobs. Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. I'm so poor and I'm so independent. And then like turn around and like bitch about not getting child support. I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it, it's, you know, it's, like, it's, it's great to hear you say that though, because there are so few women that take that approach. There's, and, and plus, and also, again, I go back to the, the sociology of it. You know, my whole goal is I would like to see the conversation around divorce and families change. You know, I think that's a big roadblock in divorce and custody and against fathers is the 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 modern media, like Andre was saying, the, the, the culture that we live in nowadays is empowers women to take away from someone else to take away from men to take away from fathers in order to feel empowered um you know emma johnson there she's doing wonderful things at, at it's um single mom there uh you know she put out a great report about the earning potential of shared parenting you know when moms have more time to work and the follow pursuit their careers and their dreams they they're happier they're successful they have more financial independence because they're share they're they're sharing the burden of, of raising children i mean it's it's a heavy load and if anyone tells you um either your best friend your mom your aunt if anyone tells a woman that you could do it by yourself they're just straight lying to you you cannot do it yeah. by yourself I, I you know i tried for two years um after my divorce my husband moved an hour and a half away my ex-husband moved an hour and a half away um i was like listen at the bare minimum you have to you have to see your kids like you know a couple times a month like you know, and, and he's like, all right. And it was, it was fine. It was temporary. But for two years, it was like that. And I almost didn't make that through. I didn't make it through almost. It was tough. It was so tough. And, you know, to have a willing, caring, loving father available to your kids is worth its weight in gold. So I really think the feminist movement is a huge roadblock right now. The domestic violence organizations and their $60 billion being <laughs> pumped into their, their organizations through quasi-government agencies. Yep. The Duluth Law. Yep. The Duluth Law. That's that money portion of it, too. There's, there's yep. so much yes. financial support for, 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 for what they're doing versus you know, I, what the reality there's like, it, It's like a hydra, right? You cut one head off Another and, one, and one pops up. Come up and, and it's hard to track, but I think if we can, as a collective whole, focus on maybe two, three of those points and really just hit those hard, I think we could make some traction. And, get some and I and I absolutely agree with you guys both. I think feminism, that is a huge thing, especially this secular third wave fem feminism that we're experiencing. Because like you said, let's be honest, a true feminist 
fights for both sexes, for equality for both. This third wave feminism only wants for themselves, and they want to take it in radical ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've posted a lot of stuff on my page here with, you know, these third wave feminists talking about, you know, wanting to enslave men, wanting to outright kill men. That's a huge thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're celebrated. They are absolutely celebrated. They're put on pedestals. But So I think let me just, that's a huge one. Yeah, let me just add to that what I was saying, you know, to the politics. Now, when you, when, you, when you talk about that, I'm glad you and Summer brought that back up. When you talk about that, these feminists, you know, whether they're, you know, three or four hundred people at a, at a, at a rally um, fighting for feminist rights and whatever else cases, the elected officials and politicians are seeing these people as potential voters. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're so gonna they're going to pander to Saturday them. morning, if they're going to wake up on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. to come all the way down here to beat the traffic an hour away from where they live mm-hmm. just to protest. If I go out there and stand in front of them and say, yes, I agree with you, I'm going to do what you guys say. They're all going to go back, tell their family, tell their friends, go on Facebook, go on social media, email, text message, Twitter, Instagram, take pictures. This guy was out there standing with us. He just gained three or 400 voters. Mm-hmm. Now you have fathers who are complaining, stressed out. We have to work two jobs to pay child support. We don't have time to go to all of these protests and rallies. We don't have time to get on social media and call all of our friends and say, hey, listen, can you stand up and fight for us? So elected officials don't see them as potential voters. And I, again, I think once that news coverage starts to come around about more of these fathers standing up, and that that also helps change the narrative. Like, it's, we're tired of being told that we don't want to pay child support. We literally want to see our children, you know? Yep. And, you know, we don't fight mother versus father. We just want shared parenting. That's 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 what yeah. we stand for. Our, our fight is for the children to have their rights yep. again. Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. You know, and, and I think the other part of it, what is the money aspect of it? I think that is a huge, you know, probably the biggest part of it. You know, when you look at everything that child support encompasses, you know, the fact that for every child support case that's out there, the federal government is pushing money into that court system for every case that's on there. And then you look at the bonuses that CP, that uh, child support enforcement gets for, you know, having, you know, a certain number of cases in the black versus the red, the number of cases overall, and it goes on and on. I think, that is the biggest thing because when you look at it, so the motto of the family court system is what's in the best interest of the children. That's what they like to say. It's not what's in the best interest of the children. It's what's in the best interest of the court. And what that best interest is, is bringing as much money as they can and putting mothers against fathers. That This, this is the only system that I have ever been involved in that wants you to sling mud at each other. The more salacious that you can get, the better off you are. Yeah. And, and it's you know, it's sickening. Is, yeah, the other thing is the judges don't really have any like level of accountability for their decision making. So it's you know, when they say it's the best interest of the child, like there's no there's nothing there that shows necessarily right. how. Like how is which, how which is this circumstance better which, for my child which one? The circumstance right. that I'm presenting to you. You know, I uh-huh. wanna see my daughter equal time as her mother we both work the same hours um you know we, we had the same access to, to, to transportation i can pick my daughter up at four she can pick our daughter up at four i could drop our daughter off at school at eight she could drop. so why do i have to be a visitor in mm-hmm. your mind and they come up with these narratives like you know well the child staying at mom's house two days and staying at dad's house two yeah, days and the alternating week it could be confusing it's just so bad for the child the child actually spending maximum time with both parents is actually better than having the child over there 
seven days a week and over here twice every month, every other weekend. And again, that's just changing that narrative, but we have to be extremely consistent and also pull that media in there. But I think that's what we're going to focus. That's one of the focuses that we're going to have, you know, the upcoming um, year and for next year is, 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 is attacking the media and getting the message out there that these fathers really want to be with their children. So, so that, that's a perfect, that's a perfect segue into my next question. You guys can probably already guess where I'm going with this. How do we change this? How do we get equality across the board so that when a father walks into a courtroom, he's not already 50 points below where mom's at? How do we get it so they're both walking equally and they're both looked at as equal parents? How do we do that? So I'll say this. Um, you know, I work with children. I've worked with children my entire life uh, since I was 14 years old. And when I, when I deal with some of the children that I work with now, um, mostly, mostly high school age kids, you know, we try to we, we, we ask the same question, like, how do we get into these children's heads um, to, to get them to be a little bit more positive? And the, the challenge is there's so many distractions um, that we didn't grow up having. You know, we didn't see violence. We didn't we couldn't go on YouTube and click gunfight, high school fight, you know, uh, rap, drill, music, gun. Like we didn't have access the way they do. I think if we're going to tap into the change that we want, we're going to have to be as consistent as those who are opposing the change that we want. So when we talk about the feminist movement, I mean, they're rallying, they're social media, they're, they're, they're creating organizations, they got funding. Like, we'll have to look at all of the people who oppose the idea of shared parenting and be just as, just as, just as consistent and as popular as they are. You know, Black Lives Matter, for example, just blew up out of nowhere, you know, with all of these issues with police and and, and and the black community addressing police versus versus community but not addressing community versus community which is still crazy but it's another conversation but the black lives matter just blew up so everybody was black lives matter you know people who didn't even like black people were black lives matter you know and it's once you get that media coverage you pull up a little leverage now now the politicians know that okay this is actually getting they're discussing this now in the communities the voters are discussing this now now what can we do you know. mm -hmm. Votes or money. That has to be one of the one of the two. Um, and I I don't see a dramatic change happening in New York until we have some restructuring of our government. Um, in my opinion, it's never healthy or productive to have a supermajority on either side. Mm -hmm. um, that's really um, you know tyrannical when it comes to trying to uh, push towards any kind of social policies. Um, it really isn't going to happen. They're just they're just going to load their pockets and you know get little pet projects done. Um, but I you know I can agree with Andre. Like you know our focus, we we really do believe here in New York because we are so big and we encompass a lot that a marketing strategy is needed. Um, you know, literature, education, awareness. Um, education, yeah. huge. You know, it, I, I've done workshops. You know, legal workshops where you know, if we can get people at the ground level before they file for divorce, thinking differently when they walk into that courtroom, that's huge. You know, I would like it where when women are sitting around the coffee table talking that one of them is not, you take everything, you get it, you get, it. you know, I would love yeah. to change that narrative as a woman um, to more, hey, what are your and your husband's plans for the kids? You know, let you guys should talk about that now. You should really figure that out. Save money, save stress. That's the more holistic conversations that should be happening um, in a dream world. Um, 
so yeah, I think, you know, a big marketing push campaign articles, open ends, um, you know, podcasts like yours, Alan, I mean, this, this helps a lot. Um, just getting the message out, but however, you know, it's not, we don't have a sob story to sell, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those yeah. things. And that's a as, as funny as it is, that's such a powerful statement. It is. Oh, it is. It is. It, absolutely. And, and, you know, I actually sit here all the time and rack my brain like, what name could I give our bill? Whose kid can I, I pick to name our bill after? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, right, right, <laughs> like, right. Just to, just to put a face to it, you know? And so that's tough, is is trying to come up with a way to to pull on heartstrings of the public, too, to, to make it more relatable. Um, you know, we have a a bill cares law here in new york that's trying to pass uh it's not happening this year thank god but you know it's named after a little girl who was killed by her father and you know as horrible as that is the bill's justification listed five other kids who were murdered by their father just five so when i look at that from a policy standpoint it's either either name them all you yeah. list every kid who has been murdered in the past year or none at all well, I, d I don't see them doing that just because the reality of that situation, when you look at filicide and you look at the statistical aspect yep. yes. of it, over 70% of murders are committed by the mother. Right, right. And the father right. is down The father is down in the 20% versus right. that, and nobody wants to have that conversation. I'll yes. have that conversation. Well, I've posted it many yes. times, and, and, and that's and awesome. We need more of those. That's what we need. We need I'll have that conversation. When I posted it. It's a child's life. I don't give a crap who it, who did it, who the perpetrator was. Yep. I don't care. Like, when the it, child's life is at stake. And, Alan, the funny thing is that those five kids that were listed in the bill, three of them were from Long Island. So is that a judge problem? Problem, court yeah. problem, or yeah, right. So, and they don't even see it. It's blind. You bring that up to them, they're like, "Oh, well, isn't that horrible?" Yeah, but why? That's very oddly specific. <laughs> and that goes extremely specific. Judges not being accountable. They don't have to yeah, be accountable for I, I think I think another huge thing is this cloak of invincibility, this judicial, you know, shield that these judges hide behind you know for when they when they render these decisions and it turns out to be a tragic and horrible decision i posted a thing on instagram what two or three days ago a uh, 26 year old woman killed her son after to that she won custody with her six-year-old son's body in the trunk of her car and was she was pulled oh, yes. over yes. she was pulled over by the police now is that judge going to be held accountable for that judgment hell no he's not because he has judicial immunity that needs to be removed you know if these judges make decisions and outcomes like this happen they need to be disbarred and removed and you know face jail time there needs to be consequences for these actions and it's the same with lawyers as well it, and it, it's hard to determine because like you I can go in a courtroom and be a completely cool, calm person, and you have no idea what's really going on inside of me. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know. As soon as, as soon as I walk out the court, I can just get mad and go blow up everything. You know, and you know that's why it's hard to 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 I guess pin that on the judge. But what we do ask is like when judges make their decisions, you know, provide a written statement on what evidence 
or what you you know what did you use to come up with this decision you know what that what 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 in this case made you feel like that was the decision that was the right way to go you know and that way you can kind of see like you know okay so the, you know he used the, he or she used these facts and it makes sense but you get some of these judges who really don't really have any factual reason of why they made a decision other than i feel sorry for the mom yeah or, you and, know, i feel sorry for this person well and we and we see so many cases and i've heard so many of these stories from different fathers where these judges have just you know basically given the kids to the mom when the mom's got alcohol issues drug issues you know has oh prison time oh has a boyfriend or a husband that's a pedophile criminal and they just you know give them to the mom and you know, i've heard that time and time again we check this out donovan we sat down with some um some of our local new york state leaders and uh we had a conversation with some of them and uh you know we're talking about the idea of shared parenting are you gonna, and how a- are you gonna anger me andre are listen, you gonna angry me? listen wait, <laughs> You know, we're talking about, we're having a conversation of the importance of shared parenting. And, you know, one of the questions that came up was, well, what if the father is going to, to strip clubs on his weekends off? What if he is? <laughs> like, so? If he's raising his kids and yeah. doing what he's supposed to do, his leisure or his pleasure has nothing to do with anything. But the, the mind state is, well, the woman's upset or the mother's hurt and she's jealous and it's not fair. So this is why we're going to give her, 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 the full access to the kids, and he can just be a visitor on the case because he has a, a, a fetish to go to strip clubs, or he loves going to the Yankee games, or whatever their reasoning is. It's the feeling sorry for one of the parents. It's the, you know, this person's probably hurt, and she was probably treated bad, and like it's, it's all of these different narratives that they use to take one parent from the, from the, from the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to go too far. Sorry, you knew I was. <laughs> I don't want to go too far, but I'll, I'll leave it my, there. But I, it, it, I, I, know exactly, I know exactly what meeting you're talking about. And my our <laughs> other partner, Jason, he was sitting there like squeezing my hand as they're talking. <laughs> He's like, like keeping me like grounded. Yeah. Like, you know, I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's <laughs> it's just, um, you know, personally, I've seen firsthand, like, you know, it just amazes me. Like when I said earlier, Andre, like, oh, the judge is going through the best interests of the child. Well, there's 12 of them. It's like, which one? Which one did you use? Did you use two? Did you use five? Did you use none? Which one? Because, you know, I think that also if we started, if fathers, I think something quick, a quick resolve that fathers can do right now today to help in a very respectful manner, demand to apply all of the best interests of the child standards ask which one did you think about which one came into play here and when you write out your your answers or your responses or emotion or um even just something like a speech go list out those 12 factors and write out your response to each and every single one of them um because what we see at least personally what we went through me and my husband is you know they picked like two that favored mom and yeah. And didn't talk about or look at the rest of the factors, which were more important ones, financial stability, yeah. um, home life, uh, work and history, uh, the, what's best for the child's, like their wishes. And they, they just literally looked at like what the child wants yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and that was it. And so I think it's really 
to offer any kind of quick solutions to dads out there who are struggling is just really focus on that mm-hmm. and like ingrain those words into your brain because the judges yeah. eat, eat that stuff up when you when you yeah. say that you Absolutely. know this is the best yeah. interest of my child this is what's best for them this is yeah. what we're doing yeah. um it, it, and, and focus on that and make that the main focus of your case yeah. I would also add be persistent and also understanding what you can ask for. You know, when I first dealt with me and my daughter's situation with her mother, um, I had told the judge that I hadn't seen my daughter in almost five months because the mother moved and didn't tell me where she moved. And when I finally found out where she moved, the police said that they wouldn't take the baby from her without a court order. So I had to file a court order. They gave me a court order three months later, which was crazy. So when I got in the courtroom, you know, me and my attorney, we, we told the judge, we explained the story. And the judge said, oh, my God, that's terrible. You, you haven't seen your daughter. That's not fair. I'm going to give you guys temporary joint custody and we're going to come back here in four months or whatever the next court date was to discuss an actual following plan. And when I saw, I was so excited. I woke up the courtroom like, thank you. And when I saw the joint custody schedule, what the hell is this? <laughs> like joint custody is Wednesday nights, five to seven and every other weekend. I went from not seeing my daughter at all for five months to getting a dinner date with her during the week and every other weekend. And I said, this is not joint. There's nothing about this that's mm-hmm. joint. Like what the hell is the problem? So, you know, I, I encourage fathers, know your schedule and request equal custody, you know, uh, you know, equal legal custody, equal joint custody. You know, if your time allows it, don't just tell your attorney to give you joint custody and also know your attorney. You know, somebody that my attorney uh, was shocked because uh, the daughter's my daughter's mother hired my predecessor as her attorney. So it was like add insult to injury. This is crazy, you know, but it was. You know, my attorney was telling me, like, you know, you're asking for too much. And I said, no, I'm asking for equal. <laughs> <laughs> the hell is too much about equal? Like, yeah. He was trying to, he, he was at least, at the beginning at least, he was brainwashed that, you know, fathers don't always get equal treatment in the courtroom. Let's just ask for this. Let's settle for that. And we said, no, we were in, we were in court for two years before we finally got what we wanted. And he was surprised and you know some of his colleagues were surprised asking did he did that happen because he was the mayor or did that really happen because you guys were in fighting for it i was like i don't know why it happened i don't care it happened it happened but now that well, I it's know- it it's amazing how many of these lawyers that we see that just want to ride the same wave they don't want to push you know they don't want to make any waves themselves you know and they'll tell you well you know this is kind of historically what it is so this yeah. is all we're going to go for you know, I think yeah. a big thing is also to remind these lawyers, hey, you work for me, okay? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you need to be doing what I want to do here. It's not, you know, well, this is just what we're going to do because this is historically how this judge has gone, you know, in this, you know, in this county or whatever the case may be. But you don't have enough of these lawyers that actually want to stand up and fight. They just... You know, they're just cool with getting that paycheck and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting that retainer. And once that retainer runs out, well, you either pay up or you move down the road. Yeah. They don't want to make waves. No. And that's and one my, of the other things that really pisses me off. My favorite mm-hmm. thing that attorneys do, too, is like, you know, 10 minutes before trial, you're oh. in the little conference room, and they're asking you for 5000 more dollars. <laughs> Because we're going to trial that's been on the court calendar for, you know, two months. You're like, wait a minute, dude. Why didn't you tell me this yeah. two months ago? Exactly. And and so I, we see that a lot, too, here in New York. I, I talk to a lot of fathers, and I, I try to advise them the best I can. And a lot, what I tell fathers that call me is you push for trial every single time, and you do not settle for nothing. Exactly. Nothing. I did. Because Don't settle for mediation no, or any nothing, of that. 
nothing because at the end of the day, if you're going to get bare minimum, which is like the dinner night and every other weekend, you're going to get that regardless. So push for it because in New York state too, we're very, we, everything's on case law. Everything's based on case law. And so, you know, if you don't go to trial, we don't get new cases. There's no appeals. No. There's no, you know, so it's really, it's very strategic also in the court system. It's, it's a very strategic move to make sure that, you know, kind of like in criminal law yeah. where, you know, the pleading out, it's still a win for the DA. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yep. Um, so it's the same in civil law is, you know, they don't want you going to trial. They don't want you getting that outcome in paper um as a court order because then it opens for appeal which opens for precedent and case law and that's what we need though we need that we need new laws <laughs> coming yeah. out of the courtrooms absolutely there also needs to be something against like you know I, I would i would you know this is taking long term but you know when a judge allows so many violations to a court order, oh, you know when you no, when you no, you know my my the, after the third third violation uh, not third violation, the third time we went to court for violations. My my daughter's mother had 74 violations in total oh. in three years. You know, yeah. So when I, I asked my attorney, why do, why do we keep going in here asking to enforce your stuff that they're not going to enforce? Like, there's got to be other options. And he said, well, you know, the other options are you can, you know, try to get a you know, fine or change or modify your custody or even request her being, you know, arrested. And I said, well, why do, why, what are we waiting for? Well, you don't want the judge to look at you a certain way. I don't give a damn how the judge looks at me. Like seventy-four violations, and he's could, saying he doesn't want you. you doesn't could, want the judge yeah, to look at you a certain I'm way. Like, Get yeah, the fuck out of here. Miss one visitation with her. But at the same time, if the judge would enforce that and put that in the mother's head, we wouldn't have gone right. to court that many times from the beginning. It would take one time. One time. Yeah. After one that first time. violation, just uh -huh. hey, listen, you violate this again, you might lose your rights, you might lose your freedom, or you might lose some money if you. Put so, that in so what? What do you guys? What do you guys think about remedial training for these judges? Because I'm finding one of the interesting things. One of the interesting things that I'm finding is a lot of these family court judges. They don't have kids themselves. They're not parents. No. Which uh, that kind of blows bad. that that blows it's my freaking mind right that. there. I don't think you necessarily have to be a parent to to you know apply your discretion discretionary authority properly i i i think so i don't know how i'm going to share this or whatever but i i i was just talking to i i had a supreme court justice at my house the other night um we're friends and we were talking about stuff and in civil court and family court and he called it the thunderdome dome the thunderdome of courts yeah you know? um yeah and you know he goes the problem you could probably family courts is you have a mixture of people of judge judgeship so you have judges who are actually judges and they do have to go through very rigorous training um they're mm -hmm. bound by ethics they're bound by you know professional conduct and all that stuff but then a lot of times you have the magistrates who are yep. attorneys. They're just attorneys um, yep. who can also hear cases. And, yeah, and the problem is you can challenge that. So if you get a magistrate in family court, you could say, no, I want, they're still gonna hear your case, but you can challenge that for a, a judge to review the case, um, but they're just gonna rubber stamp it. You know, mm -hmm. it, they're not really gonna review it or change anything um, because the system's so backlogged. Um, so you have magistrates and you have judges, and then you just sometimes you just have like um, like referees, right? 
um, who are also just attorneys. So those are all the different players at the at the the family court level that you could come across who are literally responsible for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so training, you know, training would have to be some kind of blanket, you know, training for everyone. And then you have to try to deal with the bar association and you have to barter and bargain and negotiate that kind of wheeling and dealing because they only allow certain people and organizations in to train them for their CLE credits every year. And, and then, you know, with judges, they're bound by unions and, and the counties and they're, they're elected officials. So, you know, they don't necessarily have to do anything. Um, yeah. And then you, you could try to go talk to our co- court office of administrations, which is a joke, um, and try to get training at that level. Um, I, I, I think the laws that we have are decent, right? They're good guidelines. They're decent laws on the books. It's a matter of consistently following them for consistent outcomes in New York State is what we're looking for. We, we, we're seeing the same case facts, different rulings in every county across New York State. You know, and, and you can't tell me that that's not the case because then why are you know, millions of fathers in, in New York State getting Wednesday dinner nights? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's so it's like it's like cookie cutter stuff. And then but there's so much room for opportunity there. And I think that's just more like training, not so much because that will come back on the taxpayers, I'm sure. Um, But just consistently ruling and keeping to a standard practice would be very refreshing. You know, (laughs) that would be that would (laughs) I think that would ease some tensions in family court, too. Or you can just pass shared parenting and get rid of half your docket. <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> that would be the best thing to go. Yeah. Yep. The children what they deserve for what the, the best yep. interest of the children would be at stake, you know. But, you know, every, I, I agree with everything everything you just said, Summer. And, you know, again, there's, 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 there's fathers who haven't seen their children in, you know, nine, ten months. I, I met a judge uh, who was running for office a couple months ago, and he was saying that, you know, they're, they're trained. As, as Summer mentioned, but they're trained to believe that, you know, let's say um, two parents separate and, and the child is with uh, one parent, more than likely the mother until they go to court in six to nine months or even longer. You know, if the child is under like age eight or something like that, I believe, they say that psychologically they're told that that bonding time the child had with that parent um, is necessary to keep consistent in, in, at that point, um, which is one of the reasons why some judges will not grant uh, a father makeup time, you know, for the time he lost with the, with the child in the state of New York. You know, I think it's like one or two states that actually do that. I think Kentucky might be one of them, but, you know, the judges are trained to believe that once a child has created bonding time with one parent, it's necessary to keep that child close to that parent um, mm-hmm. at that at that tender ages. They don't believe that it's necessary for the child to build that same relationship with the other parent and take it away. Jeez, and, and here I thought we got rid of the tender years doctrine. Imagine that. <laughs> Look, I see you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's still just, very much in effect. Yeah, they just, so, you, I, you know, it, liberal liberals just, you know, very cleverly got their little Sothoris out and awarded it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I just want to say on a personal note to the to the to the fathers out there, you know, you know, one of the hardest things to do, you know, this happened when I was going through my my court case. There was there was COVID had just bloomed 
Um, I just finalized um, a, a, a second term. I was running for my, my, my third term in office. Um, workload was crazy. I was going through a separation. You know, it was a lot, you know, but to be consistent in the fight was the only thing that helped me get to where I got. You know, it, it, it was frustrating. It was tiresome. I was up nights studying, researching, reading things about law, family court law, father's rights, equal parenting rights, and everything. You know, it took a lot out of me, but I finally got to a place where I could say I see my daughter literally the exact same amount of time as, as, as she sees her mother, you know, and, you know, it could be hard. It could be frustrating. I know some fathers that just gave up, they just yeah. said, you know, take the money, take the kids. I'm not doing this because it's, for your mental health, it's just not, it's not, no. it's not good. But if you have it's it, a in meat you, grinder. yeah, if you have it in you to fight for the sake of the kids, go for it. Yeah. Nope. So guys, we're getting ready to wrap this up. That hour went super, super quick. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you and what you guys have going here in the next year. Go go. After you. Go first. <laughs> All right. We can talk. We're talkers. As you can see, we're, yep. we're, we're very comfortable talking. So it's it's probably why we're both like into politics because we're very, very comfortable um, talking with each other and other people. But um, so Near Families for Tomorrow is a nonprofit organization. We have a website, <clears throat> um, nyfamiliesfortomorrow.org. We're also on Facebook, Near Families for Tomorrow, and we're on Instagram. Um, check out the website. I periodically post blogs on there and open-end and press releases. Um, there's more information about our team on there and what the work we're doing, our bills for the year, things like that. Um, so definitely check it out. And you can also reach us through there, too. That goes to an email that I personally check. So um, feel free to do that. As far as our organization for the year, um, I'm restructuring some things right now, but I think uh, our, our main focus is going to be policy awareness, law awareness, shared parenting awareness, marketing strategy, and just really offering some more, I would say, seminars to the, the paraprofessionals in the world, the paralegals, the law students, um, you know, other nonprofit organizations, and just bringing that awareness up. So, you know, if we could do that throughout the year, I'd be very happy with that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Wonderful. And uh, uh, National Parents Organization, our, our website is uh, sharedparenting.org. I'm also an affiliate vice president of the Fathers Are Important, which is heavy on Instagram. Um, you can email me at Andre, A-N-D-R-E-K, the letter K, Rainey, R-A-I-N-E-Y, at gmail.com, Andre K. Rainey, at gmail.com. And one of the things that we're going to be doing, um, more more so with the Fathers Are Fathers Are Important organization, is we're trying to set up what we call a tour. Uh, we want to hit every county in New York State um, with protests and rallies uh, for awareness of of equal parenting, shared parenting, and some of the bills that have been passed and not passed through um, our, our New York State Senate office or governor's office. So, you know, creating that awareness on the on the on the grassroots level and collaboration with New York Families for Tomorrow and any other organization within the world <laughs> that's really <laughs> helping push you know shared parenting and yeah. equal rights for the children have access to both parents after separation and divorce so um but we, we we look for more people who have the energy to come out if you don't have the energy to come out and protest and rally and you're on social media you're 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 helpful to us if you don't have time to be on social media but you can make phone calls you're helpful to us if you like licking envelopes send out stamps i know it's COVID. we use tape but everybody <laughs> can play a role in helping us mm -hmm. get this bill passed or these bills passed in New York State 
and around the country and around the world. So, so well, thank it's, you, it's, man. I appreciate it. It's a trickle-down effect, man. It's mm-hmm. a trickle-down effect. If we can get it started somewhere, and it'll catch fire, and we can spread it everywhere. Yeah, That's absolutely. what we need. It's what we need. By a bird. <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's so glad to finally get you guys on here. Like I said at the start, I know we played phone tag quite a bit and had to reschedule and everything, but super happy you guys came on. It was a great conversation. I would love to have you guys on again to catch up with you, you know, a couple months down the road or really anytime there's some big change, it would just hit me up. Yeah. Be like, Alan, we had this big change. Let's schedule you and I'll make yeah. room for you guys to come on. All right, good. great. Well, thank you, Alan. I'm glad we finally you. connected. I appreciate it. Thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, Absolutely. It's impactful. And thank you, guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. Indeed. All right, All right guys. Have a great weekend, okay? All right, you too. Thank you. All right, guys. That was Summer and Andre Rainey on here talking about what they are doing in New York. It's always great to see folks that, you know, take it upon themselves to make the change because these dumbass politicians just don't give a shit what it all comes down to it's all about the money but that is going to wrap up this episode of the father's truth i will be back in about an hour with another episode we're doing a two for tonight all right guys i will see you on the next episode lots of love have a great night Thank you for joining us and listening to The Father's Truth. If you would like to be a guest or know someone with a story that needs to be heard, email Alan Donovan now at thefatherstruth at sohomail.com.